0: Welcome to episode three of the user generated podcast as usual. I'm your host Kyle Cochran by as usual I mean this is the third time so it hasn't been going on for that very very long But you should definitely check out our first two episodes first one over mobile games um, Talking about mobile free-to-play games specifically clash of clans and hearthstone definitely check that one out And then also the the second episode I talk about my escapades at e3 in los angeles earlier this summer Again, my name is Kyle Cochran. Find us online at yourneighborsmusings.com. This podcast is a part of Your Neighbors Musings, which is a conglomerate of a few different podcasts and blogs and all sorts of fun stuff. Not all about video games, but this one is. And so today I have a very special guest, kind of, on. So, Mr. Human, who is next to me, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi! Nope, nope,
0: nope. Oh, my name's Tyler Curtis. <laughs> That's not your name? That is. Say your actual name?
1: That's my real name. But, what's your last name? I forget.
0: He forgets. Well, this is gonna be great. Um, okay, so the actual name of this human being is Tyler Cochran. his I guess his middle name's Curtis. Um, he's my other brother. You heard Thomas on the first one. If you'll find out very quickly, Thomas and Tyler are very, very different. Thomas was a finance major and works in finance. And And I'm Hispanic. (laughs) That's not true at all. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I got my other brother just to go around the family because I haven't had uh, any people for some reason wanting to be guest stars on this. But, Tyler and I are going to be talking about something specific in video, game, video games today. One thing that he and I both share, we, we, we're both pretty into video games, and so we're specifically going to talk about narrative in video games, you know, ways stories are told, different things like that. Um, that's a, definitely a, a big part of, of our interest in video games, not to speak for him. But Tyler, I guess talk about first, uh, kind, of, kind of your general interest in video games, you know, what types of games you like, how would you get into them? Anything with a story,
1: really. Uh, I'm not into traditional sports games. Pretty much, you know, first-person shooters or RPGs or action-adventure games. Just something with a protagonist that you play as, that you're rooting for. And, you know, pretty much games that kind of blur the line between film and games. Okay. So, you know, like Skyrim is an obsession, Borderlands. And those are two very different games, but they have really good stories. And fantastic voice acting, and you know that's really what I'm in it for. is more of an interactive film and less of a challenge. Like who can put the highest score on the board? Mm-hmm. Not online multiplayer because I know I'm going to lose to a seven-year-old that plays video games all day. So I just like to enjoy the story at a casual pace.
0: Okay, yeah. And I'm and I'm very similar. Like you know, obviously the first episode, I talked about how much I love playing Hearthstone, which has no story and is all about the gameplay. That's really a rare exception. Um, I usually play mostly single-player games. Mostly story driven, mostly with strong characters, an interesting world, something like that, and so that's definitely uh, kind of what draws me into video games and what uh, what is really uh, you know are often the games I buy, and I know you're similar in that way. So generally, I guess just to start off, what are some of your favorite? You mentioned Skyrim and Bioshock, or I'm sorry, Borderlands. But what are, your, what are some of your favorite stories in games, or games with with your, your some of your favorite stories? What are uh, what are some examples?
1: Um, I guess. One that kind of was polarizing when it first came out, and now it's getting interesting again is Shenmue from mm. the Dreamcast, for sure. because that's all story, and, you know, with quick time events and, you know, some kind of free-roaming gameplay mixed in, but um I just thought it was interesting because the story was so immersive, and now, you know, the Kickstarter campaign's bringing it back, you know, for the third game in the series, so... And I think the, the Dreamcast was kind of the first system we had that wasn't Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really the graphics at that time were really starting to just blow me away mm-hmm. where I was starting to care more about the technological aspects of games mm-hmm. because I think that was 99 when that console yep. came out. And Shinmu kind of pushed the system to its limits. And I think that helped in creating an interesting story because people were more lifelike and although the voice acting was somewhat questionable mm-hmm. at some points because we still quote it to this day
0: you say sailors
1: yeah spe- specifically sailors <laughs> and um you know that was the first story that i was really intrigued by i would say
0: yeah and i mean your point about kind of you know that was a b- being a big jump in video game te- technology i guess the so dreamcast came out in 99 what mm-hmm. was the playstation 2 2000 i think yeah and mm-hmm. then i guess the Previous console would have been the N64 and 96.
1: Yeah, and that's not to say that those you know games didn't have good stories either. I mean, you know, something like Banjo-Kazooie, you know, there was a story involved, mm-hmm. but it was more about, you know, the gameplay and everything. And great. games like that are great, but um, I-, I think the Dreamcast was really... Where I started to care more about the story yeah. in games, yeah,
0: and I guess like I mean people really were really drawn to like a lot of the Square RPGs like Final Fantasy and everything, mm-hmm. but those do really didn't have voice acting at that point. Right. That's I mean something like Shinmue was allowed that to happen, right? And so what what about some more recent games? You know, last generation, maybe last five yeah. years or so. Well, Borderlands,
1: like I talked about earlier, you know, first person shooters are starting to have more of a storyline. Like mm-hmm. Bioshock is another really good example. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, Borderlands, I just love the humor behind it Mm -hmm. and the voice act. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's produced, Gearbox is a local company Mm -hmm. that makes those games. And so I guess there's kind of a sense of pride, like, you know, just in our own home city, you know, there's something amazing like that being made. But um, Borderlands just kind of seems like a voice actor's dream because you just get to be really goofy and play stereotypes. And, you know, I just kind of like crude, sarcastic humor and that's full of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess some of my favorites of late, um, and I guess when I think about my some of my favorite video game stories, some were probably 10 years ago or so, but really last, you know, four or five years. I looked to all the Naughty Dog games like mm-hmm. The Last of Us, mm-hmm. which was excellent. The Bioshocks, like you mentioned, I know you and I both really liked Heavy Rain. Yeah. Which was awesome, and I think... You mean, you know, something that Heavy Rain did re- really well, especially for its time. You know, a little dated now, but, like, the facial animation was... Yeah, and even before
1: that with, like, Indigo Prophecy, mm-hmm. which was on the Xbox, I think. Yeah, but um, Quantic
0: Dream made it, the yeah. same developer.
1: And that that game is essentially an interactive movie. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, movies and games, the the line is blurred more and more. You know, I think people become more conscious of, like, a narrative in a game. Yeah. Because they start to
0: resemble films. And and I thought Indigo Proc- Prophecy. I mean, that probably came out in two thousand and like five or six or something. Yeah. It I remember when you start a new file, it didn't say like new game. You you chose new movie, which I thought was like they were clearly playing that up.
1: Yeah, which uh-huh. I thought was funny, but yeah. that was
0: obviously the the goal. But yeah, I mean, and and spe- like I think they can really run about broad spectrum. Like things like Indigo Prophecy and Heavy Rain are like really grounded and really like you know very real you know real people like a true crime type of type of scenario
1: and even something like alan wake which is a Mm -hmm. little bit more supernatural it's still you know frighteningly realistic and and they all a lot of games you know are starting to do last time on alan wake when you started a new checkpoint so it's more like an episodic tv show and less of a of a game
0: yeah And, and then even more so like the the episodic format, you know, that's a really popular trend with all of, like point-and-click adventures. Like mm-hmm. you played Tales from the Borderlands, right?
1: Yeah, and it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and and then I played um, the first season of The Walking Dead, the the Telltale game, which was also just excellent.
1: Yeah, but it's it's uh, I was really um, happy to see how great the Borderlands game was because you know, like I said, a first-person shooter might not be the first genre you go to when you think of great stories. But mm-hmm. the fact that this is a spin-off of the storyline set up in a first-person shooter and it's can stand alone on its own right. is showing how I think developers are, are just taking the story more seriously despite what the genre is.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess with something like a first-person shooter, you know, like a, a lot of what story is about, and I think when games try to do humor as well, this is an issue, like a lot of that comes with pacing, you mm-hmm. know, like the certain timing either of a joke or of the way a character develops or whatever, and so you know, theoretically in a game like Borderlands or like Skyrim or something, I mean, you could see one cutscene or one chapter and then do side quests for 25 hours. Yeah. And so, you know, it's cool that games are, you know, like Tales from the Borderlands, where it is a very, like, you know, driven, structured, mm-hmm. like, linear game. You know, you, you don't have to worry about pacing issues because it's it's paced for you, you know?
1: Yeah, same with, like, Grand Theft Auto v. Um. You know, each individual side mission, it's just unbelievable how everything is so well thought out and well written. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just... Writing has just improved drastically, you know, during the early days of, like, Super Nintendo and everything. They, you know, I, I doubt they had that big of a writing staff when they were putting games together. Right. But now that technology's improved, you know, that that's a, a necessity.
0: Right, right. You know, even if a if a game has... Fun gameplay—it's kind of you know a, a really a drawback for me if it doesn't have a good story. Yeah. Like I played Red Faction, Gorilla came out in, you know early in the most recent or the last console cycle or console generation. But yeah, I mean it got, had like a really cool physics engine and had a lot a lot of you know cool like like destructible environments. But yeah, I mean the story was just so dry. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't really do much for me. So so you mentioned a lot like you know the 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 line between games and movies being blurred you know when when i was thinking about this recording that's that's one of the exact things i thought of like you're really big into movies yeah um you're super big into theater you know how how do you think the stories compare between something like a movie and something like a game you know and and Mm -hmm. i guess how has that changed over time
1: well unfortunately there still hasn't been a game a movie based on a game that's truly been great Uh i've seen them all and they're all fun to watch because they're terrible but um You know, they're just two completely different mediums. So it's not, that's never going to be an easy task. You could have the most talented, you could have Spielberg directing, say, a Bioshock movie. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I mean, it would just be so difficult to piece that together as a film. Because controlling a first-person shooting game and translating that into a movie where you see the protagonist at all times, mm-hmm. and you're having to create dialogue for him, and just, you know, what sections of the game are you going to take? You know, how are, you, how are the gameplay elements going to translate into something that moves the story forward? Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's just a huge task, and I'm not saying it can't be done, mm-hmm. but, you know, there are more interactive elements being seen in films, and there are more cinematic um, elements being seen in games. Uh-huh. And so I I I'm looking forward to the crossover when you know a a film based on a video game you you know is Academy Award worthy or mm-hmm. something like that. But it hasn't happened yet. There have been some great games based on movies, right. not an, A huge amount, but yeah, I think that shows that it can be done.
0: Yeah, and and I, and I guess also just like in terms of like I mean, just off the top of your head, can you think of some of your favorite? stories in movies like that's largely what a movie is but
1: well it's like you know they made a video game on the godfather and i i never got to play it or anything but you know that's one of the greatest written cinematic stories of all time you know and there there there's some you know action sequences in that movie but is that ever is are the incredible performances of those actors really going to be able to translate into a video game Mm -hmm. you know that that's so character driven and you know um you know, is Al Pacino's characterization really going to come through in a video game based on that movie? Probably not. So, mm-hmm. you know, what else is an amazing story? I mean, right. like Casablanca. Sure. You know. Yeah. A, a, like, what it, would that even be? Yeah. yeah. It just a point and click, like, choose your own yeah. adventures type thing. And, uh, you know, it's so... It, it just... The right formula hasn't been found.
0: Right. And, and I guess, uh, like, a lot of times when I play, like, a licensed game that's based off of a movie, it... You know, a lot of the callbacks to that movie are like super contrived and like, oh, yeah. we have to put this one line in here.
1: Well, if it's for something, fan service. If it's something that's coming up for a movie that's about to come out, it's a marketing ploy. Sure. It's not meant to create exactly. a great game. We're just trying to get people's money. Yeah. So that that can be frustrating and you know, I can't necessarily blame the developers because they're probably on such a time crunch and are pressured from the studios. Like, we need to get this to come out so people can get excited about the movie, so hurry up. Mm-hmm. So they really aren't given um, artistic freedom. But, you know, the Batman, like Arkham games, mm-hmm. weren't ba- they weren't um, pressured me. into uh, being tied to a movie. right? And so, of course, Batman's an amazing property. And so they just took their time to create an incredible story, um, you know, they, I'm sure they still had deadlines, but they weren't under the pressure to tie into another property.
0: Sure. Um, and, and, and I also uh, also, I guess, thinking about, you know, the like comparing and contrasting movie narrative versus video game narrative and maybe not even the same property, but just mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. So obviously like a movie or a play or a book. I mean, to a certain extent, it's pure storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. obviously a movie, you know, you're there to see the the special effects and mm-hmm. everything like that, but largely it's about the narrative and yeah. the storytelling. Mm-hmm. What do you think could make a game better at, you know, show, telling a, a specific story that a movie or a book or a play couldn't accomplish?
1: Well, it's just the interactivity factor. I mean, you know, that's something that a movie can't compete mm-hmm. with, and theater you know, there's some theatrical experiences that like Rocky Horror show, you mm. know, if you show up you get to throw popcorn at certain parts of the movie. If you get I like a, a midnight fun. shadow cast, you know, there are certain props you're allowed to throw and things like that. But um, just as the you know, the gameplay has to just seamlessly be a part of the experience as much as the story. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be a great story with gameplay elements tacked on. It has to move it has to kind of drive the story forward. Mm-hmm. And you know that's you know I keep going to Borderlands. It's you know the over the top action. is a, such a perfect complement to the the brash sense of humor. So, you know, would Borderlands gameplay work for a, like a story like Bioshock? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, Bioshock mm-hmm. is much more um, systematic and creepy and has you know a darker overtone, and right. therefore the gameplay is, is has the intensity. That mm-hmm. matches the story. Sure. So as long as you know new ways are being created to, you know, make the story interactive, and have gameplay mm-hmm. that that complements it, then that's, um, you know, how a story becomes more compelling.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess so. Like you know, you talked a lot with like Borderlands, like a lot about like mm-hmm. the characters and the humor. You know, from what what I've seen is what parts of the Borderland fiction that people like the most are the characters because mm-hmm. like I guess in the because I played Borderlands 1 and you know you played 1 and, and 2 and uh whatchamacallit the pre-sequel yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how many hours you put into 2?
1: I can't even begin I mean I did every single side mission I mean that's just that's a sign of a good game right there is if you want to actually sit and yeah. complete every single solitary thing including all the DLCs and yeah. that that's one of those and, uh, for me
0: and how, how's that how, and you're still working on that file right?
1: I think I've pretty much no gotten everything
0: isn't that the one that got deleted?
1: no uh Oh no! Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's yeah. like I, I got all the DLCs and then they released four more, and then for some reason my file just didn't.
0: I think it froze wasn't
1: there. It, it froze during an
0: autosave or something. Yes, yeah. and then
1: I, I turned it off because it wasn't doing anything, yeah. and then it was I was like a level Whoops. sixty or seventy something crazy like yeah. that. That was very traumatic, yeah. but I'll be okay.
0: Hopefully, so. uh, well, and and so you know with, you know, Borderlands, like again, like the core story. Isn't really, I guess, like the most compelling part of it. Like, I guess some of the side missions where they're more concentrated. But I know, yeah. like, the first one, you're this vault hunter, and there's this vault. You have to get these keys. Yeah, well, the first
1: game, they got criticism for the story not being up to par, and right. they, I think, they did an Gearbox did an amazing job of yeah. taking their criticism into account. And the second, in the second game, it was just unbelievable. It was night and day. Yeah. Um, As far as story being there, so that just goes to show that even something like a first-person shooter, if the narrative isn't right, people aren't going to be happy.
0: Mm -hmm. And I and I guess this this is a good thing to contrast because like, how would you compare the quality of story in like the first-person shooter, which is open world, Mm -hmm. non-linear, et cetera, et cetera, (laughs) versus that and like the point-and-click. Adventure, mm-hmm. Tales from the Borderlands. You know, like, how, how would you compare, like, either the quality or the style of narrative or what's more compelling? Is there is one more so than the other?
1: Well, it's kind of impossible to do a comparison like that, you know, since they're two different genres. It, it's a debate that's in film, too. It's like, how is this drama better than this comedy sure. and so on and so forth, just in every single award show? You know, it's like, how can you have the best picture? How can you have the best album of the year? Right. I've argued that di- a lot. Yeah, yeah, if it's just all different genres. And the same goes for games, you know. I think the story in both Tales from Borderlands and the regular Borderlands are equally as strong. Mm-hmm. They're just told in different ways.
0: Okay, yeah. And and yeah, I know. Like that's what when a lot of, think of people think of quality story in games, it's a lot of those incredibly linear experiences. Mm-hmm. And like you know, like I, the game, the the Walking Dead game, the the Telltale one that came out in twenty twelve or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was probably my favorite game that year. Mm-hmm. But playing it. I mean, is it really all that compelling? You know, you click on some stuff, and you choose dialogue choices, and yeah. but you, you kind of walk them around environments, and, you know, have them interact with different objects. And there's mm-hmm. some action moments, but again, it's just a lot of, like, clicking and tapping and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, simply because you do choose dialogue choices, and because you do, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, you feel in control. You feel connected to these characters, and... Um, more so than you would in a movie, just by watching them, and yeah. and and I, what I think is interesting, like, a lot of times I'll leave a movie, um, not knowing the name of the main character, but you know, just knowing like, oh yeah, Brad Pitt. You know, yeah. and, or calling them by the actor, just because like the name of the character was so inconsequential right. to me. But in the name, in a in a game, you know the characters. Yeah, name, yeah, because yeah, you're you're so much more connected with them and everything like well, that. Well, it's just
1: like um, I don't can't believe I've brought these uh, this, this genre or this franchise up yet. It's Mass Effect. Talk uh, about another game I've put yeah 8 million hours sure. in. But you know th- those are characters you legitimately care about, yeah. especially in the second one where you do the um, loyalty missions. Yep. It's like when I played through it the first time and I like didn't earn the loyalty of one of the ca- the crew members, I thought like the world was coming to an end it's like oh he doesn't trust me right. and then I was like okay this isn't real calm yeah. down <laughs> but it's like you know that's another brilliant thing is going from game to game and connecting your old file that I yeah. mean, that's genius what they did with Mass Effect just yeah. because you you have gone on this huge journey with the same people from over the course of three giant games, right. so of course you know there's an emotional attachment there that you wouldn't get from just a single experience. Yeah,
0: and and I, I know like Bioware, who obviously made Mass Effect and Jade Empire and Ice old Republic, mm-hmm. is, is seen as kind of the one of the the first companies recently that did the you know whole moral choice aspect yeah. of it, and that mm-hmm. that gives you again just a little bit more agency. Over the uh, over the the character and what co- what happens in the world and everything and I mean yeah it's, some of it seems a little like a lot of time world choice can be done where it's very much you know you make this and you see this direct effect and the other one you make this other choice and you see this other direct effect yeah. but I feel like uh, Mass Effect did it so where where it was so subtle. You know, like, yeah. the ways people would, or different characters would interact with you because of the choices you made and everything. And, and
1: it's, it's not just about making, you know, drastic differences in the game. It's just the illusion of choice, you know. If you think that you're, you, you truly are, um, you know, getting to put your own creative spin on your dialogue choices, like, you know that alone for people is enough to keep them like, oh my gosh, I am creating the story, I am pushing this forward. Mm-hmm. When even if the difference is very subtle, it's just the fact that you have the choice sure. that a lot of people find appealing.
0: Yeah, so it's not necessarily the choice you make, but just the choice itself. Yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, and then I and I, you know other games that are that are lauded for their uh, um, stories. I know. Uh, like, the Uncharted series mm-hmm. is obviously, you know, really well-received. Um, and I guess, the you know, The Last of Us as well. They're really Naughty Dog's games. But I've heard, like, kind of the one downside to something like Uncharted, which, you know, Uncharted's two and three, probably in my top five games of last generation. Like, they're just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, is that games like these, you know, you're on a ride. And you're on this roller coaster. And if you're playing a, you know a sequence where you're running from a helicopter and going through Crashing buildings and everything, but you like ma- miss a jump or mm-hmm. you accidentally go down the wrong path. That the camera didn't quite push you down enough. You you kind of like remove that that level of immersion. It's completely gone because because there's this one path they want you to have yeah. this one ride that Naughty Dog wants to put you on. Mm-hmm. But immediately when you're taken off of that ride, it kind of kills it. Yeah, you know, that, that's always been the thing I've kind of heard.
1: Well, it's, it, I mean, that goes for film, too. It's like some films are left open for interpretation, but others are more like being on a ride, like where the director clearly wants you to see this perspective and not leave it open to interpretation. And, you know, that's just up to the developer as far as, you know, what type of a message they want to leave. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, I that can be frustrating, especially as more games become, you know, more sandbox and like sure. open world, you know. Um, but you know, I kind of like games like that just because it harkens back to a more traditional experience. Like Mm -hmm. you have to do this certain thing and you know, that kind that ensures that everyone really is having the same experience. And so it Mm. it kind of creates, um, you know, a commentary like, you know, have you gotten to this part or Mm what do you think of this part of the story? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's doing the same thing as opposed to something open-ended. So, you know, it just all comes down to preference, I think.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, And then there's also like I think really cool storytelling elements in games um, that kind of let you absorb kind of parts of the world around you, and and not necessarily just in the terms terms of something like side missions, Mm -hmm. but even in like like, linear games. Like obviously games like BioShock they have their audio logs, Mm -hmm. which I I mean I thought that was you know effective in a lot of ways. Gave you an idea of what the world was before either this event happened or Mm -hmm. these people got here and gives Mm -hmm. you an idea for the characters you're interacting with. Um, I know those aren't, I don't think that's quite the perfect solution because Mm -hmm. a lot of times you have to like, whenever there's an audio log, I would kind of go hide in a corner and listen to it. Yeah. So I wouldn't have to worry about like any action or any other, you know, uh, words conflicting with it. But I know some games that I think did it so, so well, like this kind of secondary world building type of storytelling um, I think The Last of Us w- did did it really well cuz you know when you're in kind of a you know a time without some action you'll walk up to you know something on the wall or mm-hmm. you're in some abandoned store or something and then like a prompt comes up over Ellie's head for you to say something to her yeah. about it like I thought that that was so well done mm-hmm. cuz it was just like you know it's it's not forced on you and if it if you don't want to yeah. go find stuff like that but but often it would just be like a you know two or three sentence exchange between Joel and Ellie. Like what is that movie
1: or, you know, they talk about like movie posters and things. Yeah, and it's optional. So if you don't want to know all those little tidbits, you don't have to. But if you do, then you get a richer experience. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I thought thought one was cool. The the Last of Us, of course, being like a post-apocalyptic zombie game. Mm -hmm. um, You know, Ellie was born in the apocalypse, so she doesn't see anything else. Like. no. People would see, you know, you would come across like an ice cream truck or mm-hmm. something. Like I thought that, like little yeah. things like that, mm-hmm. did a lot, and again, just helped you feel so much more connected with the, uh, with the characters, mm-hmm. um, which I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, so usually, when I've seen strong narrative in games, it is something, you know, it's a cutscene or you know something that you're designed to sit and watch. This is what they want you to see. But you know, I think it's also done really well. You know, more subtle ways um, that I always appreciate. You know, whenever there's two paths in a game, you know, you're clearly supposed to go right. I always turn left first, just to like kind of see what the world is there. You know, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. w- which I always really like. You'll miss an upgrade or some collectibles or something. Yeah, later. yeah, later. Yeah, and so and and yeah, again, just like kind of exploring and seeing a different part of the world. And and I also like when a game will, like, I again, mean, The Last of Us is is a good example. You'll walk into some old house, and you'll see kind of what happened to the people who were there. You yeah. Know? You'll either see somebody, you know, dead in a bathtub, and then... That takes... That level of detail takes skill. Like, Naughty Dog,
1: they... Yeah. I mean, they clearly know what they're doing, and, you know, no one else, I think, does, you know, details like that as well as they do.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, no two rooms are the same. Right. and Yeah. And I think that, you know, does a lot. And, and, again, like, kind of, although video game technology has advanced a ton, there are certainly still limitations. Like, I think back to, you know, this is a... 10 year old game at this point but like Resident Evil 4 which mm-hmm. is one of our favorite games yeah. Um. you know there's what like 4 or 5 different villager models yeah and you know so yeah. it's like when you see the same enemies over and over again it it kind of again reminds you like oh yeah this is a game but you it's know?
1: not till, but that game was so much fun initially I didn't really pay attention to that until playing it like a few years later sure. and I was like Oh wow! Well, well, obviously you're going to notice how much a game has aged in a right. few years, but you know the repetitive character models. It I was able to look past that because the rest of the game was so perfect. Sure. So yeah. um, you know I'd I'd love to see. I know they're going to remake Resident Evil Two. I think is the next yep. one they're doing, and I I can't wait to see what they do with that. Yeah,
0: you know? and I guess like to, I mean to your original point about Shinmu, like if we went back mm-hmm. and watched the cutscenes and everything, that'd from, be
1: terrible. You know, oh like yeah, the textures would be horrible. But at the time, it was just.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure ten years from now we'll look back to the games that you know, the Mass Effects and the Last of Uses and the Bioshocks, yeah. and think of how dated the the story mm-hmm. storytelling was and the just the the visuals. Mm-hmm. But but I guess I mean that shows where you know, technology has to go. You know, they obviously yeah. has a huge, huge ceiling and so much room for growth, which I think is really um, a cool thing. And obviously with all this, you know, VR technology like Oculus and mm-hmm. um, Morpheus and HoloLens and everything, like just the level of interactivity will be that much greater. Yeah. Which, which is cool. So. And maybe
1: stuff like that will show up in movies too. And yeah. And so you just never know. That yeah. kind of seems to be the next big thing that could potentially revolutionize things. Right.
0: It seems like... 3D was kind of a stepping stone to that, which obviously didn't quite catch on. Right. Like, but but it's, I mean I know people are really uh, just busting at the seams for all this VR stuff. Yeah. So, um, cool. So Tyler, thank Yay. you for these fun thirty Bye. minutes. Tyler is uh yeah uh, did great. I'm sure we'll have 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 him on again mm-hmm. because probably not. No. I'm busy. No, are you uh, for the next uh, foreseeable? future yeah i've I've got to
1: play through mass effect again oh that's true that'll
0: that'll be another like 300 yeah so Mm -hmm. um cool well again this was episode three of user-generated podcast talking about narratives in games um hope you guys enjoyed it definitely check out our other two episodes on itunes or on yourneighborsmusings.com check out some other awesome podcasts and blogs and stuff there um yeah again this is kyle cochran episode three of user-generated podcast Thanks for listening, spending 30 minutes with us, and you folks have a lovely day. Yas.